0: Well, there's a lot of unpleasantness in today's scripture readings. Jesus once again promises strife and families broken apart. And in Genesis, we see a family broken. And not just a family, but the family, the Abrahams, ancestors of all of us. Just to recap a little of Genesis for you, God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would be parents to multitudes, a great nation. And remember that nation in the Bible does not mean a state, but a clan, a large extended family with common ancestors. The years went by, and Sarah was still childless, not even one child, let alone a multitude. So she decides to take the fulfillment of God's promise into her own hands and gives her slave, Hagar, to Abraham as a concubine. With the idea that Sarah would then adopt Hagar's child and thereby start a nation. However, when Hagar becomes pregnant, she starts sneering at the childless Sarah who, in a fit of jealousy, beats Hagar. Hagar runs away but is sent back by God with the promise that her son will also be the father of a great nation. God tells her to name her son Ishmael, which means God hears and Hagar calls God El Roy which means the one who sees but God also predicts that Ishmael will live at odds with all of his kin and he thought your family had problems well Ishmael does not start out at odds with his family Abraham loves him dearly and Sarah embraces him too until Sarah at long last becomes pregnant herself. You will remember from this story, we've been reading it for the last couple of Sundays, that Sarah thought the idea that God could send her a child at her age uh, was ridiculous. And when God does, she names the child Isaac, which means laughter. When Esau, or Isaac as we say now, is weaned at about the age three or four in those days, Uh, was the time for that, and no wonder they have a feast to celebrate it. Sarah sees Ishmael, our translation says, having fun with Isaac, but it might have been making fun of him, because she decides that Ishmael has to go. And that's where we begin today. Abraham does not want to send Ishmael away, but God tells him to do what Sarah asks, and Hagar and Ishmael are sent into the desert. They run out of water and almost die. But God intervenes once more, showing Hagar a well right next to where she had laid down to die. And they survive and go on to populate the Arab world who claim Ishmael and Hagar and Abraham as their ancestors. And Muhammad is Ishmael's descendant. The two families of Ishmael, God hears, and Isaac laughter, do not in fact live in conflict. But then the prophecy could also have meant that Ishmael would live apart instead of at odds with his kin. At any rate, Scripture tells us that Isaac and Ishmael worked together to bury their father and Sarah when the time came, in tombs near the place where God first visited Abraham. Arab tradition holds that Abraham came to visit Ishmael, who had settled near where Hagar found the well. And Abraham undertook with Ishmael to rebuild the damaged Kaaba, the cube-shaped shrine said to have been built by Adam in the center of what is now Mecca. But still, there is no doubt that the descendants of Isaac and Ishmael, the Jews and the Arabs, have lived in conflict for a long time now. That's a lot of story. A big, messy family story a story with long-term repercussions. Nobody in the story seems like a paradigm of virtue. Sarah is jealous, Hagar is haughty, Abraham is too willing to go along with any outrageous suggestion. Banish your firstborn, sacrifice your secondborn. Even God doesn't come off all that well in this story. Ah, well, I'm sure a full account of my family history would have just as much embarrassment in it. People behaving badly, making poor choices, not honoring or respecting one another. I suppose we all have enough of that as part of our stories. But, and this is, I think, the point of all of this, in the middle of all that screwing up, in the middle of all of that jealousy and unkindness and even violence, God is there pouring out blessings God is not waiting for anybody to become perfect in order to give them good things God just gives in some cases God has even already done the giving Hagar just has to look again to see that the thing that she most needs water has been right in front of her all along sometimes the blessings are not so immediate Abraham's children arrive a very long time after they are promised. But this is not a history of God acting in the nick of time, or when the time is ripe, or even right on time. This is a history of God acting all the time, offering blessings early and late and now and always. And that's why this outlandish and ancient story is still our story as much a part of your family story as, say, that famous story of Uncle Jack's false teeth, or the whispered tales of Grandma's wild youth, because this is a story that reminds us that we are bound to one another even when we are not at our best, even when we make poor choices, even when we hurt one another, and that, moreover, God is in the middle of our story, eternally blessing us. It's as if God thinks that by setting an example of answering our mistakes and misfortune with goodness and love, we might be led to turn away from our selfishness, vanity, folly and anger, our hatreds and racism and violence, and try to imitate God by offering our own blessings without ever stopping to consider whether others deserve them. These great stories serve to link all of us to one another in great families, nations, if you will. But it is the blessings God pours out at all times on our foolish, failing, hopeful selves that remind us that the great family to which we all belong is and was and will always be God's family. Amen.